I don't know what I know until I've written it down. So if you're trying to figure out what to write about, what I would start is what just like wants to get out of your head that you don't want to forget. And then pay attention to what people often ask you for advice about. A lot of times writing is allows you to crystallize it for real. And you're like, okay, I see. My goal is not to build any sort of massive business or empire. I am actively trying to live just like a chill, like laid back life as much as I can. Like I did, I did seven years <laughs> at Airbnb. How is that working a, out for you? No, like it's, like... <laughs> it's very hard. It's very hard to do that. There's this like puzzle piece of all startup questions and challenges that founders face and product builders face. And I'm just trying to put in all the puzzle pieces that answer every question they have. And until I have answers to every challenge and question a founder has or a product builder has, I'm, I have stuff to write about. And you're looking back upon this time, what would you want your legacy? What would you want to look back upon this time? How would you want to turn this entire phase? What a fun question. Hey everyone, this is a special episode uh, that we have here for you today. Uh, our guest, uh, is a longtime friend of Arthi and mine, uh, the one and only Lenny Richitsky. Uh Lenny is very interesting and dear to me because we've actually had a very similar career path uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, we both spent many, many years on the product management, product leadership path, just like Arthi and uh, me have. Yeah. Lenny spent many years, uh, you know, uh, uh, kind of core product teams, most recently in the product world, uh, leading large parts of Airbnb. But uh, just like Arthi and me, you know, Lenny made uh, sort of a shift, uh, and for the last uh, couple of years or so, yeah, you know, uh, he's built this amazing community uh, of product managers, operators, people all over the tech and business world, um, and you know, and now has a thriving, maybe one of the most popular Substacks out there with or. 350,000 subscribers, and now, you know, in more recent months, one of the top podcasts in the technology category with Lenny's podcast. If you haven't subscribed, go subscribe that on every platform that you go listen to podcasts from. And But I think Lenny is also a dear friend who I go to often for advice on anything from product to investing, but definitely when it comes to all things content creation. And this is going to be a fantastic episode. Lenny, thank you so much for coming on the show. Wow, you're very good introductions. Uh, thank you for having me. This is uh, my pleasure. And uh, thank you for all those nice things you just said. And just yesterday, I had a totally random person who I work with being like, you know, for product, have you listened to this podcast called Lenny's Podcast? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I have. It's like, he's so good, isn't he? And there was this like long five minute diatribe on and I was, And to, it made me smile because I feel like we were one of the OGs who kind of like found you, found mm. your content, knew, see, have seen your journey. Mm. So it, it's, it's always nice to see other people stumble on to your content and find out who you are and then come and talk to us about it. So um, we, we just love like, being on the ground floor with you as you were just starting out on the creator journey. I appreciate it. It's already such a feel-good episode. It's just making me feel so nice. That's a secret. Uh, that's a secret. But we're going to get into all. So we're going to get a lot of fun stuff about uh, how Lenny's managed amazing transformation. But a lot of our audience, I think, are operators, people who are building technology, are building products, are writing code, uh, running marketing. Until a couple of years ago or two, three years ago, you and I were doing that, right? Like we were in the heart of these big tech companies. And now you are doing something else where you're kind of like a one-man show, you know, building all this content uh, for yourself. And one thing I want to maybe start off with is what has surprised you the most about this professional life compared to the last? Because I think a lot of people understand that world, not as many understand this world. What what would have surprised the 2018 Lenny Lechitsky, or uh, what would you go back and tell that person? So maybe on the on the good side of it uh, is just like how lucrative this ends up being. My I was I was poking around with doing some writing when I was exploring startup ideas. That's kind of how I got down this path. I was trying to start a startup again, and on the side I started doing a little writing. My wife is just like, was like, why are you why are you writing? Like, there's no future in writing on the internet. Why are you spending your time there? I thought you wanted to start a company. But it was interesting to me and I, people found it valuable and it was giving me energy. And, and so I kept down that path. Mm-hmm. And now I make like a lot, lot more than I made at Airbnb as like a senior PM, including stock and all that stuff. And so I think that's the biggest surprise is there's like a real living to be made down this path. On the negative side, I think a lot of people want to be a creator or great stuff, great content, make videos, YouTube, whatever. Uh, but then you realize you kind of you're on this treadmill forever. Like, I don't know how I get off this treadmill. Like, I don't know. I have the right. subscription newsletter where people are buying an annual plan every day. And so I have to keep writing at least for another year. And then to stop it, I have to give it all give it all up. 
And I don't know the exit strategy for something like this. <laughs> and I don't think you should overthink that when you're just kind of starting out. But I think that is like, a, oh, wow. Like you put out something awesome and then like, all right, what's next? What's next week? What's the next week? So I think a lot of people don't don't think about that, that downside of it. It's very interesting because Aarti and I, you know, one of the advantages you have is we do it together. And people who are not in creative world may not get this. It's like, unless both of us get in the room and do one of these recordings, nothing happens. Yeah. And that's not the same in a tech company or a regular company. Like stuff usually keeps happening, right? Your product keeps getting used, stuff getting sold. <laughs> but unless we're doing something every single week or sometimes more frequently, it doesn't happen. And that treadmill, you know, uh, it is a treadmill and that can impact your psychology, which maybe it's interesting kind of use. Yeah. You know, one of the things we have is when we have a piece of content and it's a banger episode, right? People are dropping in comments and, you know, they, they say, this is great. You love it and it fuels you. On the other hand, you know, sometimes you do something you think is going to be great and it stinks. You know, nobody likes it. There's no reaction. And sometimes it really impacts our psychology. You're like, oh, gosh. And so how do you motivate yourself? You know, outside, of course, is your profession. It's how we make a living. It's how we make money to be like, okay, I'm going to wake up. And I'm going to do this every single week. There's no better motivator than people are paying me a subscription to get like an email a week. And uh, if I don't deliver that, it'll all fall apart. And, you know, if I do it long enough. So that is the biggest motivator is there's this like boulder chasing like, OK, people are waiting for the next week's post. That's the main thing. The other thing is I just find like, you know, sometimes I get a negative comment here or there. Sometimes a post doesn't do as well as I thought it would. Uh, just doing it again is like honestly the biggest cure because then the next week it's like oh that was great okay we're back on track you know sometimes right. sometimes you ship a post and you're like and it's not as good as you expect it to be and then you're like shit maybe i don't have this anymore maybe it's all maybe i've run out of steam maybe people are moving on maybe i'm over but then you do another post and like, okay it's fine forget did it. you ever starting out have imposter syndrome at all oh like 1000 percent. i still have it there's so many smarter product people than i that have so much more experience, Sri Ram is an example, but for some reason they either don't have the time to do what I'm doing or there's like, or they don't, they're not excited about doing what I'm doing. Like so many more people can do what I do better, mm -hmm. 100%. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I constantly have that. And when I started, I was like, what do I know? Like, what am I, what do I have to teach people? What do I have to share? And if it was surprising to me that people found it useful and that's kind of what kept me down that track of like, wow, people are finding this interesting. Okay, maybe I should just keep exploring. Maybe there's more I can share. So much, much imposter syndrome, yes. Uh, we feel that all the time. But thank you. That was very kind of you. I don't think that's true. I think you're incredibly accomplished in the product world. I've had many corners in product and investing with you. But it is true. I will disagree with you. I don't think a lot of those people could do what you do. They might be able, they might have more different experiences. Uh, um, they might be more skilled in one or two things. But what you are doing, and hopefully I think some of us like me or you know, some of the other creators are doing, is we are trying to be a trustworthy voice and channel. That That's very different. I also uh, think it's a little bit of a out of body experience almost, right? You're like kind of looking at like you as a product person, what you should be doing, but from that lens, but not really, you know, in those wearing those shoes, you're kind of like looking at it from like a third party and like trying to package your thinking and the frameworks that you're applying and how you're thinking about, I don't know, growth or onboarding or anything of that sort. And so it's a little bit like abstracted out. And I think that is the part that a lot of people can't just get right. If you talk to a lot of product people, uh, shipping products, they kind of know what to do on a day-to-day -day basis and sure yeah. they like seek help on tools and toolkits and everything else. But what they can't do is to like articulate it from like a third party perspective on what yeah, is the thing yeah. that you need to do from like a best practices standpoint, which I think is what kind of sets you apart. I think a big part of it, honestly, is just I have time to refine and edit and continue investing in research. Most people have a day job. They don't have mm -hmm. the time that I have. I find there's mm -hmm. a strong correlation between the time I put into something and how well it does. And so yeah. I think that's just like something people don't realize. If you have time to put into some piece of content, like a TikTok video, a YouTube video, a newsletter, like you have an advantage over everyone else. So if you can create space to have that time, you're going to do better than most people. Mm -hmm. And so there's that simple piece that a lot of people over, overlook. Like you don't need to necessarily be the smartest person if you just have a lot of time. This is a good segue into what I wanted to kind of sum up this episode as, which is kind of like the masterclass on how to be a creator taught by uh, Lenny Rachitsky. So oh uh, you probably get a lot of people come to you and say, hey, you know, I want to do what you do. 
I want to start a Substack, or I want to start a newsletter, or uh, I want to start a podcast. Let's start with the Substack first, because I think or, or that's kind of where you you know you originally built a lot of your audience. And let's say this person has a day job in the tech industry. What is your advice for that person from sort of the very bare basics, and then we can get very tactical. First thing I'll say is, uh, especially for a newsletter, there's never been a better time to start a newsletter, and it's never been easier to grow a newsletter, specifically because Substack has this crazy feature where you're, that changed the trajectory of my newsletter, where when you sign up for my newsletter, you are recommended other newsletters that I've selected. So I can recommend other newsletters. It sounds really basic and like, of course, like everyone's got something like that, but something crazy about it, where now that one feature drives over 80% of my growth because many other newsletters recommend my newsletter. So it's driven like 100,000 subscribers of that one feature. I don't think anything's like like that's existed in newsletter world before. So if you can write something awesome that people are excited about and want to recommend, you can grow really quickly. Plus there's like Twitter and LinkedIn and places where people share content. So I think that's just one. Two is I'll just share like, I've never really written anything before I started this newsletter, like online. Like it was the first time I was like, let me write things for people. So you don't need to have like some deep writing experience. I find that the content is the key, just like focus on the content, not like an insights, not like I am a great writer. Like I'm not a good writer. I just like, here's the answers. Forget, you know, people have read these long intros and like, like skip all that, just like jump straight to it. Okay, so then coming back to your question, what would I do? Uh, one is I just, just like start. That's like obvious that you hear that all the time, but just like don't, like Substack is free. Like the reason my newsletter is called Lenny's Newsletter, I had no plan to do this long-term. It's just like, what is the default recommended name that for newsletter as I sign up for Substack? It's like Lenny's Newsletter, okay, great. So, so don't even, don't like just start putting things out partly because one, it'll help you understand, do you enjoy this? What do you find interesting? Like, do you want to do this at all? So it'll give you a sense of this interesting to you. So I did it for nine months every week. And that's what gave me the confidence that this is something I wanted to do. So that was really important to me. Like, do I want to do this? Because that treadmill we talked about. And then two is, are people finding it interesting? Like, does anyone care about what you're writing about? So starting gets you down that road. And I think the thing you want to find is that competent, like the Venn diagram of, I find it interesting and I want to spend a lot of time thinking and analyzing and processing and synthesizing and stuff. And are people finding it interesting? So that's an important thing. And then I'd say them, like if you come to the root of what drives success in newsletters and probably other piece of content is consistency and quality. A lot of people have great stuff and they write once a year. A lot of people have okay stuff, they write constantly, but it gets better. So like it all comes down to consistency and quality. And then a final point I'll make, and this is really important for creating a successful newsletter is you got to figure out, and I know you're a huge fan of jobs to be done, Shiram. I know you love this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, for folks in audio, uh, yeah, Lenny's being, uh, let's just get wildly yeah. sarcastic on that front, but right. all right, all right, all right. Yeah, I Love like it. it. Okay, but it's actually an incredibly valuable framework for specifically creating content. I think it's really important. You got to figure out who who is this for and what job are you doing for them? And I think there's like five or six buckets I figured out, at least for newsletters that you have to be in. Either help people, help people stay informed and just like, sounds smarter dinner parties kind of bucket. So there's like Noah Smith and like um, Free Press with Barry Weiss and the platformer. They just like keep you informed of what's happening in the world. So that's a bucket. There's like, help me make money. Like a job is help me make money in the world. So it's like investing advice, Bitcoin, stuff like that. There's a bucket of entertain me. So like comics and comedians and things like that. There's a bucket that I'm in and maybe you're in. And this is something we could talk about is like, help me be better at my work. And so that's what I do, help people get better at work. There's another bucket of help me be better in life, like Emily Oster and Huberman is like a good bucket there. And then there's like like sex stuff, you know, I don't know, OnlyFans. That's a bucket you could be in. So I think you have to like fit in one of these buckets and do a really good job, like be one of the best at this job you're doing for someone. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, by the way, I would start with uh, the part on just getting started. A lot of people, you know, come to me for advice and they say, how do I do some version of content? And I usually say, say words like, I give everyone this advice and which is just do something every single day, put out some piece of content on any platform, doesn't really matter. It can be a tweet, can be an email, can be Instagram, can be, you, video is probably a bit harder, literally anything, but you have to do it every single day because if we do it for a few weeks, you will learn the feedback loop, you will learn what works for you uh, and you will learn who your audience is. You'd be surprised, and I would tell them, 
most people who ask me this never actually wind up doing this mm-hmm. because they do stop how what is your recommendation for people who listen to you and they go look i understand i need to figure out who my audience is i need to figure out what i want to say but i'm looking at this blank text box and i'm i'm i have all this fear i'm like who am i to talk about this i don't know what to say am i going to look like an idiot how are my peers judging me you know uh, what my manager think of me and how do i compete with eleni who has like 10000 subscribers if i don't know anything so how for somebody who's maybe just getting started for the first one or two weeks what is something that kind of gets them off the starting block So one thing I'll say is for newsletters I don't think you have to do it every day I think that'd be probably a mistake cuz you have to like think and process. I could see for like YouTube and TikToks why you may just want to create something every day. Um so I'd say if you're writing a newsletter I do like once a week just create something once a week. Two is if like it's like harder if you're a known person cuz then people will actually judge you and it'll reflect on your brand. But most people no one knows you and no one cares about anything like like the default is they will completely ignore everything you're doing and don't ever think like how much people will remember they're just going to immediately forget you did anything so don't fear anyone judging you um also what i did is i positioned it as i'm just going to run an experiment i'm going to write something once a week check it out if you want to check it out and if you keep the stakes really low people just kind of know and they're just like all right cool let's just try and stuff and you'll start to get a sense of what people are interested in and not interested in just know i had a lot of imposter syndrome i also didn't know if anyone would care about this thing and it was surprising how much people valued very basic things that i was just like like of course okay everyone knows everyone has like templates for one pagers so i'm just going to share what i do and they're like that's like my third most popular post ever it's like a template so i think you'll be surprised one thing i think you did really well um to you know you should not have any imposter syndrome but you started off with things you are obviously expert at yourself Uh, which i think everyone is like everyone is listening to this who has spent like say 5 10 years in a role you do something really really well uh, um it can be as simple as how do you run a meeting or how do you put together a basic launch plan whatever it is and then you start there on essentially a grounded foundation one where you feel comfortable where you're like well if i want to talk about this i'm not going to look like a total idiot just because i've done this uh, uh, for a few times and then you expand out of that and you bring in people like for example i see you uh, bring in people uh, and you're obviously amazing at it but it's not necessarily something you've worked at but it doesn't really matter because you've built up this conference and audience and do you think that's a some, that's a pattern other people could follow uh that's a really good question let me add to the, my previous answer cuz i I realize what you're asking there and there's more I could add. So if you're trying to figure out what to write about, what I would start is what do you want to what just like wants to get out of your head that you don't want to forget. That's just like uh I have this thought and I just don't want to forget it and just like wants to get out of my head. So pay attention to that and then pay attention to what people often ask you for advice about and just write it and like write it in a place and then you could send people that thing. So that's what I did initially is just like what do I want to remember? It's also like what do you want to better understand? there's this quote that i'm sure you've heard a million times that like i don't know i don't know what i know until i've written it down a lot of times writing is allows you to crystallize it for real and you're like okay i see i see how this works now so think about like what do you want to actually like crystallize and not forget so that's actually what i did initially and then to answer your second the question you just asked basically i just like run out of stuff that i know <laughs> myself <laughs> that I could just answer. Like I wish I just had all the answers. I'm like, here's the answer to what is great retention. Here's how you here's how you grow a business from 0 to a million. Like I wish I had the answer, but I don't. So, I run out of stuff and so I get to like, okay, let me just do a bunch of research on your behalf. How did the top, you know, the best consumer apps grow? Let me go find the founders and ask them. There's a lot of opportunity just to like do primary research on behalf of people and they'll pay for that, you know? Like it's like 150 bucks a year for like me spending hundreds and thousands of hours doing all of this research for you about how to build a company and build product like it's such good value and obviously people are going to be interested cuz like they're dealing with the same problems so um so that's that's the reason who is your audience as you think about it is it like what what age range what you know what's the profile of like a typical lenny audience it's pretty simple it's product managers like mid june mid to junior level uh also some you know heads of product and senior folks but i focus on like mid-level product managers and growth team lead types and then the jason is like founders and other functions that work with product like designers and data scientists and researchers and then it kind of trickles out from there like marketing people and 
and VCs and things like that. So I think it, something I've learned is you want to focus, you want to find a niche and something focused. So people know like, oh, for this problem, I'll go to Lenny's newsletter. For this problem, I'll go to Shriram's uh, Observer. What was it called? The thing that you wrote uh, about? The Observer Effect, sadly. Observer yes. Effect, yeah. yeah. Put on hibernation. We'll okay, see. Someday we'll be brought back. We'll <laughs> see. It was great. It was great. Uh, so, but you don't want to get too focused. So like if I was just, just product management, I'd be so bored if all I wrote about is product management all day. It's so boring. So I found that it was important to have like a slightly larger Venn diagram combination of topics that are related enough, but give me opportunity to write about different things. Uh, one thing I've seen you do, uh, which you just referred to, which I think is actually a great tip for anybody starting a new job, is to go do a research and map out a space. Uh, for example, you know, one, two of my two of your favorite posts of mine are the one where you talk about how every company got their first thousand or so users. Uh, it's a fantastic post, uh, and uh, and I often tell new employees at a company if you want to just win internal credibility, go out and map out a space right? and be put out the canonical doc. And now your blog post, for example, which I'm sure took a ton of effort, a lot of it content's not out there in public, is now the canonical place that people can go to and then you win credibility and audience as a result. So, uh, which is interesting, which is very, it's very profound because I don't think you you knew probably some of that, you, you may not know some of that, but you aggregate it. And the act of aggregating intelligence and knowledge is super useful. And I think it's a great way to get over imposter syndrome. Yeah, I think that's always the thing you can do is just aggregate and summarize and, and like simplify a concept. But I think the real stuff that does well is something that adds something totally new to the conversation that hasn't been shared before. So those stories, no one's ever like gone to the founders of all those companies and like, Ask them, how exactly did you get your first thousand users and then written them all down and shared them all in a specific way? So I think there's just like, I think I would strive for adding something new to the conversation because there's so many newsletters. All they do is just like, here's the best YC uh, videos to watch. Here's like a bunch of stories from all these other newsletters. Uh, like you could do that here and there. It'll be fine. But I don't think you'll build a lasting audience if that's all you're doing. Now, I want to talk about podcasts because uh, in, you're very unique. Um, you know, I've said a lot of nice, I, I, I think you're a lot of compliments, but I think you deserve more, all of it and more. But you're very unique in this case, which is a lot of creators often can't break out of one medium, which is, you know, they do one thing, they do text or they do video and they can't actually, you know, cross horizontally into a different platform. Uh, you're very unique because you obviously have a fantastic, maybe one of the top Substract newsletters out there. Uh, uh, and But now in the last, I say five, six, seven months, you now have one of the leading podcasts in the technology world out there. Lenny's podcast, if folks haven't listened to it, go out. And it's very interesting because podcasts are a fun, different medium, right? Visual, audio, guest. Curious about your journey of like, hey, what made you want to start a podcast and about the journey so far? It's funny with my, like, I try to do less stuff. Like my my goal is not to build any sort of massive business or empire. I'm actively trying to live just like a chill, like laid back life as much as I can. Like I did, I did seven years How at Airbnb. How is that working I've, out for you? you know, like it's like... it's very hard. It's very hard to do that. There's just always more opportunity, more to yeah. do. It's hard. And it's like, folks may not know this, but like Lenny is also a very active investor. You know, sought out by a bunch of yeah. founders. Like Lenny is like. Trust me, he's not chill and laid back. Like, let's <laughs> let's get that out of the way. I'm not, but I tried to be. Like, I tried to like take a time off after. Like, Airbnb was insane. It was just like pedal to the metal, pedal to the gas. I don't know the expression. Just like go, go, go for seven years. You know, like long hours. And I just like, okay, I need a break. This is this is crazy. And so my goal was, I'm just gonna take, I'm gonna take time off. Try and find a way just to make just enough income where I'm like, okay, I'm good. I don't need to like get another job for a while. And I started the newsletter. It's doing great. Ends up making lots of lots of revenue. Like, why would I do anything else? This is this is plenty. It's one email a week that if I can make one awesome email a week, life's good. And so I resisted. Like, there's all these things I should do: podcast, a book, course. And I was like, no, I don't want to do any of those things. But slowly, they kind of they 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 can they come to me. Uh, so the way the podcast happened, uh, I was doing Harry Stebbings' podcast. 20 VC. I did it at the end of it. We start recording and he's like, Lenny, you should be doing a podcast. You idiot. Why aren't you doing a podcast? And that basically got me over the hump of like, all right, if he thinks I need to do a podcast and this conversation went well, like, all right, I'm going to try it. So is that, that actual conversation that led to that? 
the, what's unique about it is you know kind of grown to top of the charts on the Lenny's podcast which by the way I don't look at the rankings so much but the, the episodes are fantastic right um, and uh, the choice of guests because some of them are famous some of them are not quote unquote famous uh, the range so walk me th- walk us through your sort of thinking right how do you think about guess how do you think about what makes for a good conversation uh, uh what has been like the secret to the podcast growth so far well the secret is i already had an audience with a newsletter and if i were to do it again i think that's the right sequence you first build a large audience that you can email and then you share other things you're doing with them so every time i have an episode i share it with the newsletter audience i initially didn't do that because it just felt like do they want all these emails about podcasts but people want it so that helped a lot just like a large audience that i could just directly tell them hey there's an awesome podcast to check out so that was important the other is the reason the pod, the the newsletter works is, in my opinion is cuz i focus on like real concrete actionable advice and no fluff just like here's a way you could do a thing better tomorrow like on your team just go do it yeah we have a lot of and fluff like this show is like mostly fluff most of the time it's just me trying to be funny but that's most a different job to be yeah yeah but that's like people want that this is not fluff at all yeah, but yeah. there is entertainment as a bucket i like that you bucket. just said jtbd and then caught yourself because yeah, it's a rumble yeah I, i'm going to edit out all the parts about jdbd it's not going to be in the episode right it's like i can't have any positive stuff on jdbd on we're this we both a product people and i know like this is stuff that we talk about all day right and you know i'd also like built companies and stuff so shram has very strong viewpoints on these frameworks i'm yeah. a, for me it's like how do you get the job done without you know well, talking yeah. about jdbd stuff so you <laughs> you never have to censor what you're saying because of freedom oh yeah yeah we'll do a sideways side episode on freedom starts on jdbd okay sorry I so but uh, uh but you're sort of going back your episode is fantastic because they're often like you know this person who's done this job led growth exactly. ad or done pm ad how do they actually do the thing and what i love about them by the way is a lot of podcasts i think are go for the big name guests but some of your best episodes are people who are not quote unquote usually podcast famous yeah exactly so exactly like you said what i try to focus on is exactly what worked for the newsletter which is just get to like real advice not just like stories and theory it's just like what did you actually do to ship this thing how do you actually structure your product review meetings how do you optimize how do you prioritize features in your roadmap and you know it's like with cpos of awesome companies and I actually have a rule no founders no ceos and no vcs because like i want to talk to the people doing the thing you know on the ground not i have nothing against founders or ceos there's just lots of podcast forum it's all is good i love them i have make exceptions here and there but i think that's partly what makes it different is it's like how did you actually do this thing how did you ship this feature what did you learn about hiring product managers okay and what uh, this is actually a fun thing for me uh what do you now know about a good conversation uh, or a good episode that you didn't know when you started So I think I indexed almost too far down like I don't care about your background like we skip backgrounds I just like go straight to like advice keep drill, drilling into insights I think I I think I could use more story and and like fun stuff so I'm trying to like find a better balance there because I was just like no one wants to hear about your career trajectory like let's just get to like what did you learn but I think there's some people that you want to actually hear that from and there's amazing stories that are people actually are interested in so I'm trying to find a better balance but not go too far up just like we'll just talk about you know all things you've learned in life sometimes the story part i think is interesting uh because it eases the guest in uh, a lot of i think what we try and do in the show debatable whether we succeed is try and create this atmosphere where people feel comfortable and they open up have a good time quote unquote right uh, how to plug the name in um and <laughs> getting uh, how to get the name in there well, it's not uh, called that anymore right uh it sort of is i i think you know we've been trying to kind of get our own own names out there more because people tend to search for our own names and, and it tends to and also i think good time is uh, it's just namespace collision there's just so much so many mm-hmm. other pieces of content called good time oh, whatever so, yeah. yeah uh we've been trying to get, yeah because people search for names but uh, uh the uh, but uh, and i think it eases people into feeling comfortable uh and because they they they, they can talk about the career and the story it's something they've done a lot of times before and they get eased into it and it's a good way to start the challenge is uh and we actually had a debate about this on a little whatsapp group that we have yeah, with a yeah. few other top cut pastors so the two schools of thought right uh, so I, you know i'll do a root thing and i'll actually talk for a few minutes and not let the guest speak <laughs> uh which happens which a lot which is basically most of the episode every episode yeah, it happens a lot right <laughs> so uh, so, uh, so the two schools of thought like one school of thought is you are 
somebody for their origin story at the beginning of the episode and you kind of hear everything and because you're genuinely interested in that person's story and uh, it, you have to be genuinely interested and it really eases them, they get them comfortable. The other school of thought uh, is that it's boring. Most people don't want to hear that and often you already know that or you can kind of intuit most of that and you just want to get to the meat of things. Mm-hmm. And one piece of good advice that I think you and I, or I, we got from Tim Ferriss is uh, to basically maybe prep the guest on what the first question is going to be, but get right into the meat of it, the interesting first question. I've heard theories already, but uh, it, it, it's debatable, uh, but it, it's, an interesting, uh, it's an interesting debate. I find that they can be warmed in pretty quickly with just like an interesting question that has nothing to do with their background. And, and I do give them a heads up of what I'm going to talk about. But uh, I think also my guests are not like, famous people. And so people don't care that much about their background and origin story. You know, it's like, I don't, I'm not interviewing Elon Musk. I'm just like, you know, product manager. And they're like, all right, tell, tell me what I can learn from you. Okay. The, the other person I've learned from on interesting opening questions, Tyler Cohen, like Tyler puts a lot of work into oh, his, that guy's uh, a, I, 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 I aspire to be as good an interviewer as that guy. That's, oh yes, just totally. Like, uh, every episode of his very tightly done, yeah, Great just, quality of questions, the velocity yeah. of the density of information is just really, really good. Yeah, he's the opposite. He's just like jump straight to like the most complicated question. Why is this bird so, <laughs> so interesting? Yeah. What makes for a good guest? What makes for a bad guest? I think the core of it is do they actually have concrete advice to share based on the real world experience and not just like theory and just like nice things that sound that they think are going to sound good? So it's usually someone that's actually done the thing for many, many years that can talk about it in an articulate way versus like they, you know, tweet really interesting things and doesn't, there's no substance to it. And sometimes you don't know until you talk to the guest on, on the podcast and like, okay, I see. Let's, uh, let's see if we can make something great out of this. Do you know right off the bat, like how long does it take for you to be like, oh, this is going to be a struggle versus like, like 10 minutes, like I'd say 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, gosh, but I think I there's always something interesting. It just doesn't go as deep as I would hope, and it's like, all right, this is good. This good for what it is. Cheryl uh, Sandberg, when I used to uh, when we had Facebook, she once told a story about going on John Stewart, where uh, John Stewart, um, you know, the, the way you could tell whether he liked a guest or not is whether he had them on after the commercial break. Um, hmm. And uh, and if you really liked a guest, he would make he he say, hey, can you stay around for a little bit? Can you stick around? Mm. And that is a tell that he actually really likes a guest. Uh, if he doesn't like you, right, you're gonna give like go buy this person's book and thank you for coming and bye, right? And he's gonna go go off and do uh, so something. Ever since I heard that, now when I watch one of their mm. shows, I'm like, oh, good guest. Okay, he's taking it around. This is great. Like, it, it's so hard to not see that anymore because you're just like, you start seeing the chemistry between them. You start seeing the energy levels. Yep. Is this um, where you're like, okay, Lenny, we're done. Let's go to commercial. Oh, uh, uh, no, no. Uh, uh, gosh, no, no. You, you want to come back. Well, this is actually interesting next part, which um, I was actually thinking about for you, which is preparation, right? Um, uh, how, mu- how do you prepare for a guest? And I have some follow-ups from there. One thing I do that I find really valuable is I send them a set of questions uh, asking them about what do people often ask you for advice on? What uh, are two or three topics you love to talk about that are really you're passionate about? What are some, do you have any fun stories from your career? A few things like that. And so it's like five bullet points that bring up topics that I would know to ask them about. Because, you know, again, these people, there's no way you can learn what these people are. are going to share because they're like they haven't written anything online they don't go to podcasts so a lot of it so that's partly comes from the, me asking these pointed questions and then two it's just like what what am i really curious about that i would love to ask them like i interviewed the ipm from cnn so it's like how do you deal with breaking news that just like yeah how do you she talked about how they have like meetings with their journalists and the journalists have to all leave immediately because trump just went on air and they have they built in buffer time to like deal with that because it happens all the time so it's the combination of what am I personally like, what I what would I find really interesting if someone were to interview them? And then I pull out things that they think are going to be interesting or that they're excited about. And and I just spend like, you know, an hour or two just thinking about that, just writing it up. And, and I actually run my questions by the people. I just share them. Here's what I want to talk about. Is there anything you'd want to cut? Anything you think we should add? And then I obviously leave room for following up on stuff that's interesting. 
different podcasts are very different styles on how they prep. Like there is one school, for example, Howard Stern falls into this, which is you know everything about that person um, before you come on there. Like for example, just you, John Stewart actually again, uh, one of the most famous Howard Stern moments is when he had John Stewart on his show and he had a researcher pull out the first ever joke John Stewart ever said on stage. Oh, it was so random. Um, and you can see Stewart's mind just being blown. Like, like anybody ever dug that up? So Howard Stern's like so prepared, and then he's going to ask you something like, "Well, how did your father leaving you at age eight impact you and impact you?" And he's going to go there in multiple places. On the other extreme is uh, Larry King, and Larry King's whole shtick was the viewers don't know you, hmm. uh, um, so I'm going to be the random Joe on the oh, street, be like, "Who are you?" Why do we care about you? And <laughs> let's go from there. Um, so you're an actor. What movies did you act in? And it's funny. very. And they have to like kind of come to this being fully prepared that nobody knows who they are and mm -hmm. just talk up to it. And, and his skill set was being able to channel the audience who also doesn't know. There's also another interesting dimension to this, which is I used to be very much in the incredibly well prepared more well debatable i would say i'm very lazy but you know i would try and like know everything about the person but sometimes when i did that what i found was that i almost had like a reel in my head of how i wanted the episode to go and when somebody was speaking i would just be waiting for them to finish because i knew oh, i had to get this story i have to get that bit and that was great often because people you know when when you have elon on you want to hear you know at the time about tesla and spacex and twitter or whatever and you want to give them the big hits right and i love that you actually had elon on that's like funny that you use that example you know well, well it's more like you know if you go see you know a band right like if you if you you know you want to see that hits right you want them to actually play their greatest hits you don't want all new material but our some of our best episodes are the ones where we've been a little more unprepared because then you are just exploring and you have more room for serendipity so i don't know what the right answer yeah, and is and it really opens up on their side too especially if they're like really famous uh, they're you know one of one of my my favorite episodes is this uh, music director from india and he's like you know childhood hero for us same city that we grew up in and uh we're very nervous going into this right but he's done tens of thousands of these interviews so he's sitting there he's probably expecting the greatest hit set of questions and we start you know, we come in from like, no, we really want to understand this one thing and this other thing. And it's all about like technology and role of tech and music. And he starts talking about this AI course that he took in MIT. And it just like, just takes the conversation in a really, really interesting place. And you can see him just sit up being like, oh, this is not one of those usual interviews that I'm doing like where I have to talk about this movie, this Oscar that I won and so on. It's all, it's going to be very interesting. And I like seeing that reaction from the guest where they seem more committed and more engaged mm -hmm. and just want to like be there and make sure that we are all they, like they're having a good time about it. This is great advice. I'm learning from you, from you too. Oh man. I like uh, this. Trust me, what you do works and arguably a lot better than what our, our, our stuff does. <laughs> Maybe that's an interesting segue, which is um, you obviously have an inbuilt community, uh, which helps with your podcast has grown way beyond that. And your multiple platforms, your obviously, you know, all the audio platforms, but also on YouTube, kind of curious to outside of your existing community, what are interesting audience growth mechanisms, levers that you have found, especially which are platform specific? I wish I was like, here you go. Well, three ways to grow your podcast now. Uh, uh, like it's all so far been just doing it again and again, and it just grows over time, assuming it's good. Uh, having a few guests that people loved, like the CPO Figma was like a really important episode that helped the podcast grow a lot. And then this guy, Matt Mashari, who's this coach to all these fancy CEOs. So that episode helped to grow. So I think it's just, it comes back to quality and consistency. Like I said, uh, doing it a bunch, having a few like killer guests, but even though, even those guys, like no one, no one knows them really. Like they're not like, oh my God, Matt Mashari, like some people, but that wasn't like, oh, I need to listen to this. It's. It just was really interesting to people. So there's that. And then the newsletter was, I think, the biggest piece. Nothing else has made a big dent, as far as I can tell. Uh, YouTube, what's interesting about YouTube and TikTok, like similar to what I talked about with the podcast, I didn't want to do any of those things because I'm like, I don't need more work. This is enough work, this freaking podcast. I want to make videos and TikToks. Uh, but my producer that I work with for the podcast, like, you need to do YouTube. You need to do it. And so I'm like, all right, let's do it. And then I found this guy to do TikTok clips from the YouTube videos. So it's not actually more work. So it's interesting about those. I don't know what you find. They don't drive any growth for the podcast, but they grow them. They're like their own thing. They're just growing an audience on those platforms. 
that's probably useful for some, but it doesn't drive like growth of downloads as far as I can tell. Some are similar for us. I do think like, our approach has been we just want to be on every platform. Like, you know, we, we, you know, if you want to find, if you want to get your fix of the Authy Institute, I'm sure, uh, we want to be very platform agnostic uh, at a very broad level. But more practically, I think every platform has, I don't want to get too Marshall McLooney, but like, you know, the medium is the, the message. And so every platform has sort of a native format and a vibe to it. So for example, on YouTube, uh, my, our theory is that shorts are top of funnel. Uh, people sort of like swiping up, they find you, and then they might discover a clip, a three, four minute clip, because it's really a big investment to kind of like, hey, here are two random people uh, uh, you know, uh, that you, you're gonna sit through an entire hour with. Maybe you do if you recognize a guest or you know, if there's a famous person, but you generally maybe won't. Um, but then you see a clip or something, and then you start watching the episode, and then you become a, a retained customer, right? No, actually, I think oh, it's you a disagree? Bit. It, so. This is something that we talk about a lot. And I, you know, this is the thing that I love doing. I wake up and look at the YouTube dashboard and podcast metrics and all of it. I just, it's just how I'm wired. I'm very left-brained as a person. Um, like the way I look at it, I think there is this contextual creator, as Gary V calls it, right? Like every platform, you have to know the context and create in that format and uh, that audience. And a lot of YouTube folks come to us because of uh, this, the episodes that we have around advice around doing something better, um, that kind of thing. It's a little bit more psychological, emotional. Um, and uh, we see a lot of those folks. And Shriram is right in the sense, shorts is top of funnel, but shorts drive subs. Uh, the people who, the, once they've subscribed, the those are the people who stick around for like the hour and a half, two hour episodes, which are such a big commitment. Like, you know, when was the last time you spent 90 minutes watching a YouTube video? It just doesn't happen. So that's almost like a rare phenomenon where they're like super fans and they're really committed and they just want to like get value from this episode. Uh, what we re didn't realize then was a lot of those folks, the... Uh, who are interested in these like long form are really podcast listeners. Um, and we never catered to those folks at all. Like we just kind of thought podcast is like the YouTube video minus the video, just throw it in there and that's it. And now we are being a little bit more deliberate because we're seeing, starting to see podcast growth where like we often, like every once in a while people would like leave comments being like, you are the, the episode that I listen to when I go for a run. Mm -hmm. um, and it's become a part of their habit. And uh, and those are less about like the learning, self-help, that kind of thing. And for them, it is more like we want to know who these two are and what conversations they are having. And it's more about personality-driven content more than anything. So it's just it's very different per platform. Yeah, I think I, th I found similar. There's just different... Way, people have different ways they want to consume content. Like some people just watch it on YouTube. Some people want to listen. Some people want to read a newsletter. That's the main thing I found. It's like your stuff's never going to reach them unless you go into the medium that they're excited about and there's like natural to them. There's definitely a phenomenon though, I think, where on video, people just get to know you a little bit better because there's just a different, uh, you know, people can read your body language, your vibe. They just know you a little bit better, which doesn't purely happen on audio or it just maybe takes longer. Yeah, I will say once I launched, like a, the newsletter was like, you know, big deal. People loved it. It was like sharing. It was like, you know, it's a big newsletter. But I feel like going podcast and video took took like me to a different level. Like people f see me as more, more, more fans. I don't know. It just like started spreading more uh, after the podcast. There's something about the voice, I think, and the video that changes. So basically perception. your wife was right all along. This is your startup. Uh, You've basically been yeah. working on this startup all along. Mm, she's going to like hearing that. <laughs> I want to talk about monetization, which I think is going to be an interesting topic for folks because on Substack, you obviously have paying subscribers. Um, on a podcast, you have advertisers slash sponsors. How do you think about that? Because you are now running like a one-man business. Uh, uh, how, how do you think about that mix? What works? How should maybe somebody new think about this when they're getting into it? Yeah, uh, it's one it's a one man business. Plus, I have a, a number of contractors that help with various elements of it. Just to kind of put that out there. So, I guess one question people have is: Should I go ads or should I go subscription? I think there's pros and cons to both. Uh, I'm really happy I went subscription route with the newsletter. It's just like you don't have to think about it. You just write awesome stuff. People pay for it, and just money money comes in. You don't have to like hunt for advertisers. You don't have to coordinate all that stuff and come up with ads and that kind of stuff. 
So I think there's a lot of value just, and this kind of is actually an important point, why I think Substack has done well and why everyone's on Substack is all you have to do once you're on Substack is write awesome stuff and everything else is taken care of. And I find any time I spend not on writing awesome content is wasted time. It doesn't lead to anything like growth experiments don't do anything, uh, administrating backend settings and hosting like waste of time. So the more time you can create for yourself to just write awesome things, the more successful you'll be. So this comes back to you have an advantage if you have more time. There's like a correlation between time and the success of some. So that's why Substack is, it's like such a simple concept, just a blog and a newsletter and some payment stuff, but it unlocked. And all I'm going to do is write and they take care of everything else. So coming back, subscription, for me, I thought it was it was a good idea just because all it let me to do is allow me to do is write. But there's also a benefit doing both things if you can do like one revenue stream of subscription and then also ads. Like that's kind of cool in case one dries up, in case like ad deals start you know, plummeting, I just have the subscription thing. People start unsubscribing and you have ads. So there's benefit there. Now, on the ad side, what works? Because uh, the world of advertising, I mean, we've worked in the world of advertising, but uh, I think what you're doing is very unique because uh, again, you're sort of one person handling a lot of these by yourself. How are you finding advertisers? How do they find you? Uh, how do you think about the right experience for an ad in your episodes? Uh, how do you think about all that? So I think like the core of it is if you have an audience and if the audience is valued, it's a people, they're going to come to try to advertise in your thing. So my audience turns out they're very valuable. They're tech employees at big companies and they have budgets and large LTVs. And so companies want to convince them to use their products. And so a lot of my ads are just inbound companies. I have a form at the bottom of my, I have a link at the bottom of my show notes. Like if you want to advertise, email me here. So a lot of it is inbound. I also have a list of like, here's the companies I think would be a great fit for my podcast as advertisers, which are basically B2B SaaS companies. And so I also do some outreach, trying to get to the person at the company and just say, hey, here's my podcast. Here's who's listening. You want to talk about ads. So it's a combination of inbound, outbound. Uh, it's mostly inbound. Yeah, well, that's a good spot right. to be. It's a good uh, place to be. I, I think it's money well spent for folks who are spending uh, the money on your uh, show. Here, here. Uh, there we go. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to clip that and put that in front. Like, go spend money on uh, letting show yeah, after sure. you subscribe to it. Uh, so we where does this go from, from here. here? Because I look at folks like, say, Tim Ferriss, Huberman, Lex, what they've done. You know, let's play this out four or five years from now. What is the Lenny Cinematic Universe or the Lenny Media Universe look like? Uh, so I'm, I come back to like, I don't want I don't want more work. I'm trying to like keep it chill. <laughs> and so I have no no future plan beyond like I'm not trying to build an empire of content. Uh, and I kind of just follow poll and what is seems to be working, what I get excited about. So at this point, there's no further. Maybe there's a book at some point. That's like the one thing in the back of my mind. But it's so a much Netflix work. show on and building product. Absolutely not. I just like that's not <laughs> it would be so bad at that. Like even doing the podcast is like I have to push myself to like do this stuff. Like I'm so much more comfortable just sitting behind a laptop and typing and thinking and editing. So there is no future plan. I The two things I think about are. Is there a way I don't have to do all the writing myself? And is there like people I can find that can, you know, take on some of this work? Maybe there's verticals I can add at some point. Like it feels like there's an opportunity for a sales version of what I do. There's a version of engineering version of what I do. Like maybe those sorts of things in the future. And then what is the exit path for this? Like do I have to do this for the rest of my life? I don't know, maybe, but that'd be cool if I didn't. And so I think about just what is an exit path for this life at some point. There's going to be no exit. There's going to be no sorry exit. You, 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 Lenny, you're going to be in delivering fantastic content forever. But it's really a good question, which is um, who are people maybe outside of the tech VC content universe uh, who you look at and be like, oh, that person doing a fantastic job on the content business. And I want to learn, steal, you know, or you know, there's some facet of what they do, which is really interesting. Okay. So one person that comes to mind is Noah Smith, if you follow him at all on Substack no opinions, uh, like him and Tyler Cohen or Cowan, I don't know how to say his last name. I just feel like every time I read their stuff, I'm just like smarter. I just learn so much and they're so good at crystallizing really important concepts and also just highlight things I had no idea about. So those two guys is just like incredible. Um, I also and, like how optimistic they are. They paint a future. I love that it. Is, yeah. It's, 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 you want to live in that future. 
Yeah, I was just like tweeting that. that. I just feel like every time I read No Smith, I feel better about the world. Like, wow, yeah. okay, maybe it's not as bad <laughs> as true. we think. Uh, Emily Oster, I love. So uh, we're having a kid. I haven't showed this anywhere, actually. It's a scoop. Uh, we're having a kid wow. in June. Oh, my goodness. Wow, congrats. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Breaking news. So this Breaking is going to be news. the clip. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> you, it, that's awesome. That is, so, that is amazing. Congratulations. Thanks, you just did a, a Rihanna Super Bowl uh, halftime reveal show. The reveal on us. <laughs> that's right. I'll bring my wife in to show bump. Um, so oh. Emily Oster, if you don't know her, she's writes, you know, this parent data driven parenting mm-hmm. advice. So she does a killer job and she has a newsletter on Substack too. So that I love, you know, so maybe, maybe I'll leave it there. I, I, I don't know if you're leaving off awesome people. We will like kind of like wrap a lot of our, you know, guests with this kind of question, which is, I know that you don't think about the future. You're just kind of taking every day as it comes and just trying to have fun. But let us say you fast forward a few decades or many decades and you're looking back upon this time in your professional career, your life. What would you want your legacy? What would you want to look back upon this time? And, you know, maybe it's a few years, maybe it's several decades and say like, well, I did that and it resulted, like, it resulted in this. What would you, how would you want to turn this entire phase? What a fun question. So the way I think about what I do, and people often ask me, are you going to run out of ideas? Are you ever going to run out of things to write about? The way I think about what I do is um, there's this like puzzle piece of all startup questions and challenges that founders face and product builders face. And I'm just trying to put in all the puzzle pieces that answer every question they have. And until I have answers to every challenge and question a founder has or a product builder has, I'm, I have stuff to write about. And so if your question is, what would I love to think back on and here's what I've accomplished, it'd be to complete this puzzle of answering every question that a founder might have in, in some way, at least, so that uh, so that more companies are built, more technology is you know moved forward, there's less stress, less oh. hard, hardship in the startup building process. And so that's kind of the journey I'm on. I think, I think I've got a lifetime of, of writing and content creation to get there. Well, Annie, uh, you know, uh, kn- knowing just you for a few years and seeing what you've done, I think you're going to you know, come pretty close to doing that. And I don't think you're going to give up anytime soon. I don't think you're going to get born any simple. And I think the reason we said, all right, I said, uh, there's going to be no exit for you is just that, right? Like, I think the content you put out there is so valuable. There are lots of people who are positively impacted by it. Organizations are impacted by it. And I just don't think there is an end to it. Like it's just you're just under pressure now to just keep at it because yeah, I know. What, you know it's, you're demonstrably moving the needle for all of these people and companies. So I think that's it's a good thing. It's also the most meaningful work of my life. Like I can't imagine doing anything more meaningful because one, to your point, I'm helping actually helping people. Two, I'm learning a lot and have the opportunity to learn and get paid to learn and share, and you know just get like pings every day from people about how much something I wrote was helpful to them. And I don't know how you beat that. So um, I'm really thankful that this path has worked out. That's a real feel when uh, you hear that from somebody. But Lenny, I'm such a fan. Uh, Folks, if you haven't already made up your mind, go uh, subscribe and follow uh, Lenny's uh, newsletter and his podcast, which I both I highly, highly recommend. Uh, Lenny, you're such a delight, such a friend. Thank you so much for doing this. And, you know, I know you're going to be doing this for many, many more years to come. And, you know, I'm just so happy for you. Really appreciate y'all having me and thank you.